Hey everyone, and welcome to the Homefulness Podcast, a conversation dedicated to making home in our multifaceted culture of displacement. I'm your host, Andrew Stevens-Rennie. But true homefulness would mean creating a space that actually sees queerness as a gift, where it is celebrated and not just tolerated or allowed to exist. This week, we hear from Becca Sawyer, a 2S LGBTQ community builder, facilitator, speaker, and future psychotherapist. Through story and statistics, Becca explores the high rates of homelessness in the queer community and proposes ways forward that demand our attention now. Uh, my name is Becca Sawyer. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm joining you tonight from Toronto, which is the traditional territory of the Huron-Wendat, the Anishinaabeg, the Haudenosaunee, and the Mississaugas of the New Credit First Nation, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples. I identify as queer, and I want to stop here just to make a note about language. Uh, you'll mostly hear me use the term 2S LGBTQ plus tonight, and these letters stand for two-spirit, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and questioning. And the plus refers to other identities and orientations that are a part of this community, but aren't being specifically named tonight for brevity's sake. Uh, if you don't know what any of those terms mean, I would invite you to make that your homework after this symposium to learn more about them. But you might also hear me use the word queer. Uh, it is the word that I personally identify with and feels like home to me. And it's often used as an umbrella term for the wider 2S LGBTQ community. This is not a word that feels like home for every two-spirit or LGBTQ person, however, as it has been weaponized and used as a slur holding pain for many in the community. So if you are not a part of the 2S LGBTQ community yourself and are unsure how the people or the person you're talking to feels about the word queer, I would avoid using it but tonight you'll probably hear me use it interchangeably. I also wanna start off by saying that what I hope to share with you all tonight is by no means an attempt to speak for the entire 2S LGBTQ community. I can only speak as an expert of my own experience and attempt to offer you what I have gleaned from the stories of many 2S LGBTQ folks whom I have had the honor of serving and being with in community. So I hope that what we discuss tonight will encourage us all to dig deeper and continue the conversation with those that we are in relationship with so that we might learn from other voices in our lives as well. I love that the theme for tonight is problematizing home. In many ways, I have been problematizing the notion of home for years, but it really took on new shape when I was a student of Brian's in his Beyond Homelessness course. That course led me to ask deeper questions and use the lens of home to look at many facets of my own life, including my queer identity, where I recognized that 2S LGBTQ folks have always been challenging narrow definitions of home and offering alternative and robust understandings of it. Tonight, as we examine this further together, I want us to look at some common indicators of home and homefulness and how they might specifically apply to the 2S LGBTQ community. And these indicators are coming from my own studies and thesis work at the Toronto School of Theology, and they include um, four different things. 
So dwelling or physical space, imbued meaning to a place or community, acceptance by or belonging to the wider community, and viability of living or the capacity to contribute to a community and thrive. I view these four benchmark indicators of home uh, as benchmark indicators of home, and I, I want to apply them to our discussion of homelessness and homefulness uh, in the LGBTQ plus community. So let's start with dwelling. Though we are examining dimensions of homelessness tonight that are often lost in models that focus on shelter to the neglect of broader issues, we can't ignore the ways that physical homelessness disproportion disproportionately affects the 2S LGBTQ plus community. Just a brief content warning um, for mentions of homophobia, transphobia, and brief mentions of suicide and self-harm that are about to come. So unfortunately, when it comes to 2S LGBTQ plus adults, there simply hasn't been the research uh, and study to give us an accurate number of their experience of homelessness like there are uh, with youth numbers. What we do have is the personal accounts of queer folks experiencing homelessness. In one survey based out of Ottawa in 2017, Anecdotal evidence from adults experiencing homelessness described times of blatant homophobia and transphobia in shelters and drop-ins. And participants reported feeling concerned for their safety when it came to the lack of privacy in the shelter system. Others reported having lack of inclusive intake processes and problematic assumptions and language being used and applied to residents. Like being forced to disclose the gender assigned at birth or running into problems if they had any identification uh, with gender markers that were different uh, from their gender presentation. When it comes to youth, while we don't have exact numbers, we do know that they are overrepresented in the homeless population. The stats vary from 25 to 40% of homeless youth in Canada identifying as 2S LGBTQ+. A 2016 survey in Toronto showed 21% of youth in Toronto shelters identify as LGBTQ+. And the most common reason that these youth gave was family rejection. Many had either been kicked out of their homes or no longer felt safe to live there and had to leave. For youth that are able to stay in unsupportive homes or communities, their dwelling may still not feel safe physically or emotionally. It may no longer feel like home. A Trevor Project survey from 2000 or from 2020 uh, revealed that one in three 2S LGBTQ plus youth reported that they have been physically threatened or harmed because of their identity. 10% of LGBTQ plus youth also reported undergoing conversion therapy with 78% of those youth reporting that it occurred when they were under the age of 18 meaning that their parents pursued it for their child or compelled them to participate in it. And this has profound impacts on the mental health of 2S LGBTQ plus youth. In that same survey from 2020, 40% of LGBTQ plus respondents said that they had seriously considered attempting suicide in the past 12 months, with more than 50% of transgender and non-binary youth having reported seriously considering suicide. 
and 48% of LGBTQ plus youth also reported engaging in self-harm in the past 12 months. And that stat jumps to over 60% for trans and non-binary youth. In light of this, what does that mean for ways that 2S LGBTQ plus folks are experiencing homefulness? It means that we often have to carve it out for ourselves. Queer community hubs come to be places of home and connection that are so meaningful to many in the community. In Toronto, I think of Glad Day Bookshop, where in pre-pandemic times, it would not be uncommon to see people there multiple times a week for a meal or just to be in a space where they felt totally comfortable being themselves. I also think of the 519 here in Toronto that is another queer community hub and home in the city. Hosting markets, supporting queer and trans business owners, running support groups, running education programs for 2S LGBTQ plus folks who want to become parents or already are. These buildings have become beloved dwelling spaces for many 2S LGBTQ plus people and similar places can be found in almost any major city. And in our current age of stay at home orders and self isolating, the 2S LGBTQ plus community has really benefited from the online dwelling places that have already been in place for years. Because there is still stigma and fear attached to coming out, many 2S LGBTQ plus folks first connect with the broader queer community online. Whether that be chat rooms, Facebook groups, or message boards, many 2S LGBTQ plus folks are making home together online. I think of several Facebook groups focused in Toronto that are created to be safe spaces for the community to home make together. Like Homes for Queers, where people post rooms for rent that will be in affirming or safe households. Or another called Jobs for Queers, where people connect each other to work that is safe and meaningful and where they support each other's businesses and art. Though these dwellings are virtual, they facilitate homemaking for the 2S LGBTQ plus community to gather and find the support they need in each other. If we look at our second indicator, we know that when we call something home, it's because we have personally imbued meaning onto it. And while that meaning may be formed and shaped by those around us, we know that we cannot tell someone what is and isn't home for them. Because of all too common family rejection, I know to never assume that a queer person's childhood house or the town they grew up in would be the place they refer to as somewhere they go back home to. Yet for many 2S LGBTQ plus folks, specifically in unaffirming evangelical Christian spaces, where they are allowed to call home is often imposed on them when their churches kick them out for identifying or daring to live into their belovedness as two-spirit or LGBTQ plus people. They are told they can no longer find home in that former church community, that they have to look for home elsewhere. I have heard endless stories of queer folks who tell me that when they came out, they lost their church home and they use that language, that they feel a profound sense of spiritual homelessness which in some cases will lead to losing housing if it was attached to their church community or their support system. 
chosen family becomes such an important lifeline to home fullness in these cases. Those of us in the 2S LGBTQ community will often refer to our chosen family as the people that we have found, the community we have formed around us to be our support system and a group we can rely on. While chosen family can certainly include members of one's family of origin, naming someone as chosen family members involves an intentional commitment to be family to each other because it is born out of choice and not obligation from birth. From these chosen families, we learn about our common queer history, our ways of being together, ways we can queer notions of family and relationships, how we must collectively resist and oppose all instances of white supremacist patriarchy. There is one member of my community who refers to their chosen family as logical family, as opposed to their biological family, because they were chosen and it just makes more sense. <laughs> I believe the concept of chosen family is a gift that the 2S LGBTQ community gives to others, a blueprint for the intentionality and deliberate work needed to pursue homefulness in any place where disconnection and isolation is present. An example of imagining another way where we have been told home is broken or simply isn't possible for us. A third major indicator of home uh, is acceptance by the wider community. And this is a more obvious indicator for the 2S LGBTQ community who may still face stigma and rejection from their religious communities or families of origin. Can you truly feel at home somewhere that merely tolerates you? And I would like to tie this into my fourth indicator or viability of living. And maybe more aptly for the 2S LGBTQ community, the capacity to contribute to your community and to thrive in it. It is quite common for 2S LGBTQ identified Christians to experience a glass ceiling of sorts in the church. They might attend a church where they feel they have been accepted by that community. They decide to come out and share their orientation or gender identity with their church family. And they might not experience any outright hate or they're not asked to leave but they quickly find that their volunteer opportunities are taken away from them. They might no longer be allowed to be on stage leading worship. They're no longer allowed to be youth leaders or work with children, or they find that when they pursue a nomination to deacon, they're denied, or when they ask to be married by the pastor, they're refused. Time and time again, I have seen this bait and switch and witnessed how devastating the level of betrayal is for the 2S LGBT plus person on the other end of it. To be told that you are welcomed somewhere, but when you actually take steps of homemaking by attempting to use your gifts to serve your community, you're denied and told that your contribution is not wanted or is not good enough simply because you shared a piece of yourself with those you thought of as family is heartbreaking, is homebreaking. How do you feel at home in a place that won't let you contribute or demands that you stay hidden. And can we imagine how coming to learn of this restriction after already having invested time and risking relationships, after maybe believing you could call this spiritual community home, would limit the viability of home for you in that place, would limit your ability to thrive. 
in the face of that, clarity is a step toward homefulness. Being upfront about whose voice has a place in the congregation and who will be denied leadership or marriage sets the stage for 2S LGBTQ plus folks to make informed decisions about where to start building home. But true homefulness would mean creating a space that actually sees queerness as a gift, where it is celebrated and not just tolerated or allowed to exist. That believes that the lens of queerness and the wisdom that 2S LGBTQ plus folks carry with them is so desperately needed in the church and the world. A place of such acceptance and celebration has traceable impacts on the well-being of 2S LGBTQ plus people. The Trevor Project survey data from 2020 shows that trans and non-binary youth who reported having their pronouns respected by all or most people in their lives attempt suicide at half the rate of those who did not have their pronouns respected. And the 2016 survey out of Toronto showed that the risk of suicide decreases by 93% when there is strong family support. But having even just one supportive adult in a 2S LGBTQ plus teen's life can reduce the risk of suicide attempt by 40%. And that is good news for us as we work toward homefulness for every 2S LGBTQ plus person. Good news that even seemingly small acts of acceptance, of intentional meaning making, of providing safe and supportive spaces for 2S LGBTQ plus folks to just be is literally life-saving. So as I wrap up, I believe that the queer community has had to become experts in making home and pursuing homefulness. Whether that be through chosen family, creating our own relationship systems, or community organizing and protesting to make communities safer, or to keep community hubs from gentrification. We do this because many of us have had to grapple with losing home in a profound way, and we still choose to hope. I am grateful for all of my queer ancestors who led that way towards home for me. So we can't ignore the needs of 2S LGBTQ plus people when we are planning for housing and the end to homelessness. Their needs have to be considered. And we must also ask ourselves what unique barriers exist to all 2S LGBTQ plus folks from finding genuine experiences of home. Again, friends, my name is Andrew Stevens Rennie. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, share, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does go a long way to helping others find us. If you want to get in touch with Becca, you can find her on Instagram at RSE Sawyer. If you have any questions for me or any future topics you'd like us to cover on the podcast, send me a note at empireremixed at gmail.com. The Homefulness Podcast was developed by Empire Remixed in partnership with the Sorrento Center, co-hosts of the National Beyond Housing to Homefulness Symposium in spring 2021.